There's a word from the Lord on today, and I'm excited about it, what God has placed in my spirit. I'm going to be in the book of Luke, chapter number 8, verses number 40. I um, ask that the saints of God would keep me lifted in prayer because your boy is tired. I am tired, Jesus. Um, as many of you all know, I am finishing up, wrapping, wrapping up uh, my, my, my doctoral project, and um, my, my professor, so gracious, gave me a few days of extension, um, so I'm probably going to drop it Tuesday or Wednesday this week, uh, this upcoming week, but literally for the past two weeks, I've been up like one, two in the morning. Um, I was up, I was writing, and I looked up this morning, it was 2 a.m., I said, man, let me just go to bed. Uh, so just pray for my strength, but I do have something from the Lord. Amen? Let's do it. Let's make our declaration of faith. If you have your Bible or your electronic device, lift it above your head and somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life, again, and my life, one more time, and my life is the better after hearing obeying and applying a word from the Lord. Book of Luke chapter number 8, verses number 40. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture. The Bible declares, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. You, you know the story. She makes up in her mind that if I could just touch the borders of his garment, I'll be healed. She presses through the crowd. She touches him. Jesus asks, who touched me? She, she confesses, picking up at verse number 48. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. Father, thank you once again for this opportunity to minister the word of God to the people of God God, I'm hiding myself now behind the cross that men may not see. Give honor, glory to Greg, but all honor and glory this hour goes to you, Jesus. I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, that they are acceptable in your sight, Jesus. Be glorified, my King. God, strengthen my spirit really is willing. My flesh just weak now, God, but I'm asking for supernatural empowerment ability now, God, to execute this. I'm, I don't plan to miss today. <laughs> uh, so strengthen me in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. I want to start out here with a theological disposition um, that is known as cessationism. I want to start there. Um, cessationism is a theological argument against miracle, miraculous works in the church today. In essence, this theology, this, this thought says that uh, miracles were possible, miracles did happen, they just don't happen anymore. Um, it goes on to teach that all sign gifts such as healing, miracles, prophecy, and pretty much any 
supernatural power has ceased, um, starting from the age of the original 12 apostles. When they died, then that was the death of gifts and miracles and sign. Therefore, this is known as cessationism. Now, this particular theological disposition was started, or the progenitor of this thought, is the man by the name of John Calvin. Now, just today, if you were just to come up to me and be like, you know what I'm saying, it's some people, they don't believe in miracles, they don't believe in signs, they don't believe in any type of wonders or powers of God, and this guy by the name of Calvin started it, uh, just from that point alone, I'd be like, man, Calvin is done, I ain't done with him, I'm done with him. Because I don't know about y'all, but I need some miracles like right now. I need some breakthrough like right now. I need, I need God to show up like right now. But here's the truth of the matter. We can't throw Calvin away. We can't, we can't throw John Calvin away uh, because Calvin is responsible for some of the foundational theological concepts of the Protestant church. When I say Protestant church, um, at that particular time, 1500s, the church was primarily Catholic, Catholic. And there were some things going on that I'll explain a little bit later that caused men like Martin Luther and John Calvin to come up on the scene. And they were the starters of what we know as the Protestant Reformation. What is the Protestant Reformation? The group of guys that split from the Catholic Church. So it doesn't matter if you are... Church of God, Church of God in Christ, um, Southern Baptist, Independent Baptist, Apostolic, whatever, you're considered Protestant as opposed to Catholic. So what my man adds to this mix, and the reason that we can't throw John Calvin away, because his, his foundational teachings, again, speak to what most Protestants believe today. Here are the three concepts. Number one, the Bible is the final authority for believers and not the Pope. That's pretty important. I mean, if I'm going to walk out my faith, then who cares what the Pope say? What does the Bible say? At the end of the day, real talk, who cares what your pastor say if he ain't in line with the Bible? Yeah. Here's the second thought that John Calvin came up with. Number two, that people are justified by faith in Christ alone and not by works. But it's, it's my faith and not my works. Number three, the priesthood of all believers. In essence, Jesus is the mediator between God and man. And if I need to talk to the Father, I ain't got to go to a pope to talk to him. So Calvin had some good stuff. So, so this is why my man had to write this, because there was some corruption going on in the Catholic Church in the 1500s. And here are the three primary deals that was going on. Number one, again, the, because the church was primarily Catholic, the affairs were dictated by one man, the pope. And whatever he said, it, went, it was the law. It didn't matter if it lined up with the word of God or not. If the pope said it, then that's the law. Here's the second concept, the acceptance of sexual immorality amongst leaders. And basically, they had like temple prostitutes around the church uh, making themselves available for the priests. And everybody knew about it, but they weren't doing nothing about it. Here's the third thing that was going on in the church in the 1500s at that particular time. They were selling indulgences. And what indulgences were, they were certificates that you could buy to help your dead relatives get out of hell. 
Yeah, yeah, that, that's what indulgence is. This is what the church was doing. The church like, like, you know, like, okay, my man chat, my, my man chat, my man chat. Now, 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 chat, you know, you know, you, you, you got some friends that's going on to be with the Lord. And, um, you know, you, you know they was, you know how y'all mobile folk are, right? <laughs> so look now, you know they probably didn't make it in, bro. So, so this, this what you need to do. I just need you to give a little money to the church and buy this little certificate and, and we'll get Pookie and them out of, Oh my goodness. But 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 real talk, they were pre if you study the history, they were preaching passionate messages. How heartless could you be knowing that your sister, grandma, mother, daddy, father, uncle Neom is tormenting now in hell and you could do something about it right now. They were actually preaching that stuff, man. So my dude, Martin Luther, John Calvin, like, hey, this is, this is a trip. We need to cut this out. So, so that's why he wrote that the Bible is the final authority. It ain't what the Pope is saying. The priesthood of all believers were justified by our faith, not the purchase of an indulgence. Here is the Catholic Church's response. And, and it's, it's interesting. The Catholic Church, in essence, says the miracles of the church supported support our doctrine. In essence, if God wasn't with us, then we wouldn't be able to do the miracles that we're doing. And there were actually verified miracles that was happening. But y'all know, y'all know, one of the worst churches in the Bible was the most gifted church, the Church of Corinth. I mean, they had issues going on. My man, my man sleeping with his stepmother. Come on, somebody. But he prophesying and laying hands on the sick. So this was the response of the Catholic Church. So John Calvin took it to an extreme. And this is what he said. Two things. Number one, miracles only authenticate the apostles' teaching. He says, this is why God gave miracles to prove that the apostles were actually sent from him. And since the apostles are now dead, then all miracles have ceased. Therefore, this idea from this man of the 1500s presented this theological disposition called cessationism. Now, this is critical because even right now, everybody shout right now, there is a great percentage of the church who embrace cessationism, the fact that God is not doing miracles, he's not healing, put your little anointing oil up, you can, you can, don't, don't waste your prayers, because God ain't doing that no more, because he only did it with the apostles. It's a bunch of folk that embrace that. So, Pastor, what, what's up with this, this message today? I'll tell you what's up with this message today. God says that you have cessationism around you. It's around you. It may not necessarily be people who embrace John Calvin's interpretation of miracle ceasing, but the reality is they don't believe that God going to move for you this year. No, 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 no. So, 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 if, if God would have left it in my spirit like that, this whole message would have went a whole different way because I know what to do with folk that don't believe in me. I know exactly what to do with them. 
This is what I do with them. You just take a picture where I am right now. Come on, somebody. Because you're going to have to take a new picture in just a few days. I, I know what to do with folk who just don't believe in me, but, but watch this. This is what God, this is what he said to me. He said, these folk that don't believe in you, they actually love you. He, this is the analogy, Sister Rain, that God gave me. The analogy was, we have people around us that are preparing a wonderful home-going celebration and going to put you away nicely. It's going to be honorable. And the reason they're preparing this is because they don't believe you're going to get a healing this year. You got folk that love you, that have already talked to some of your siblings, some of your cousins there, and they like, now y'all know, y'all know our sister, our brother, that, that they ain't going to get it together financially. So they, listen, I'm, I'm going to be able, let this, I'm going to do this this month, February, I need you to do that that month. They actually behind the scene trying to help you because they're going to believe that you're going to get a financial breakthrough this year. So, so, so I'm like, God, you're going to have to, you're going to have to help. I'll, I'll never forget, I'll never forget. Um, when we first started the ministry, what, this is year number 15 or 16? Year number 16, we first started the ministry, and I started it with this idea. Man, I want to be as biblical as possible across the board. So when it came to finances, I said that the Scripture teaches that the people that are blessed by the ministry of the Word reciprocate and they support the ministry so that we can continue to deliver the word. I, I've been teaching this for 16 years in this ministry. Never forget, this one little lady came to me. She said, Pastor, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. People just ain't going to give money to support now. They're not going to give. So this is what we're going to do. Every first and third Saturday, we're going to sell chicken and fish plates. We're going to do what? Now we, we, we can just go on. They got potatoes on sale right now. Let's go on and just, just buy potatoes for the whole month. And we can make the potato salad and all that. I, 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 I hear what you're saying. But what you're saying, I know you love me and I know you care about the ministry, but you don't believe in what it is that God going to do in this ministry. So therefore, you coming up with some alternative. Everybody shout, God is going to move for me this year. I'm telling you. So, 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 I, I'm, I'm like, God, you're going to have to help me because I can't throw these people away because they love me and I love them. So what do I do when folk in my circle who love me don't really support me? So God gave me this little story, man, familiar text. Guy by the name of Jairus, a synagogue leader in Luke 8, 41. The Bible declares that he came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because he's in a hopeless situation, man. His daughter, baby girl, 12 years old, is getting ready to die. Doctors can't do nothing for her. So he comes to Jesus and says, please come with me so that you can lay your hands on my baby girl. You know the story. Jesus agrees to come with them, and on their way, they're interjected by this situation where there's a woman with the issue of blood touches the boy. I, I can imagine being Jairus like, look here. I don't care who touched you. My baby finna die. Get your little miracle and get on your way. 
Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? And he will not leave it alone. Even the disciples like, Jesus, we got to go. Everybody touching you. We're in a crowd of people. But Jesus will not leave it alone. Who touched me? Finally, the woman comes to the scene. She said, I'm the one who touched you. And there's a reason why he was so in, uh, 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 impatient and would not, would not move on until he found out. And this woman actually comes because there's a situation that's going to happen in verse number 49. Look, look, look what happened. Look what happened. The Bible declares while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and they gave a proclamation that your daughter is dead. Don't bother to teach you anymore. Lord, who is this that came from Jerry's house? I'll tell you who it is. It was somebody who cared about him. You, don't, don't embarrass yourself praying any longer. Don't. No, 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 no. Just, just, just leave Jesus where he is. She's already gone. What are you trying to say, Pastor? There are people around you who have tears of beliefs. And when your situation gets past their tear, then they no longer believe. But the reality is my tear of faith might be a little bit higher than yours. And although you might be ready to quit and give up, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I ain't ready to quit yet. So somebody that loves my dude, Jairus, that came and said, hey, leave, just let it be, just move on, accept your reality. But Jairus, no, 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 no. Matter of fact, we got some Jairuses in the house that ain't ready to accept their reality. So Jesus ministers to my man, and I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. And Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe. Now understand where this saying it fits to end. The woman with the issue of blood just came to him and she confessed that I'm the one who touched the borders of your garment. And the Bible declares, watch this, watch this, this is so good. Uh, verse number 48, Jesus says to her, daughter, look at this, your faith has healed you. One of the problems of my good friends that are cessationists, and I have some wonderful friends that I really love that don't believe in miracles at all, and I still love them. But watch the wisdom. One of their problems is, is that they believe so much in the sovereignty of God that they discount any human responsibility or accountability. In essence, they say, whatever the Lord gonna do, he just gonna do it. But that ain't what Jesus just told this woman. Jesus said, it wasn't even my faith. Jesus said, it was your faith that made you whole. When you was rehearsing in your head, if I could just touch the borders of his garment, I'll be made whole. I, matter of fact, this miracle wasn't even for, I, I ain't even planning on healing you, baby girl. I was going on to the Jairus house to touch his 12-year-old daughter. But since you made up in your mind, since you would not give up, since you would not quit, the miracle that you in need of, be it unto you according to your faith. I wonder, can some Somebody say amen. So he says to Jairus, based on what I told the woman with the issue of blood, I'm telling you now, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, this is point number one. You got to keep believing. Woo! You got to keep believing. 
You got to keep believing. So here's the question for you, sir, madam. What is it that you need to do in order to keep yourself in a place of faith? Who do you need to connect with? Who do you need to disconnect from? What type of stuff do you need to be reading? What type of stuff you don't need to be reading? What type of stuff should you be watching? What type of stuff you shouldn't be watching? What do you need to do to make sure that I stay in a place of faith? So number one, look at your neighbor again and say, neighbor, neighbor, number one, keep believing. Keep believing. Keep believing. I got four little points, and I need you to take these notes because I want you to jot them down because what God is giving me these, these next few weeks, starting last week, is going to be foundational messages that's going to allow us to persevere through the attacks of the enemy. Number one, keep believing. Watch this. Luke 8, 51. The Bible declares, when he arrived at the house, this is so good, of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except, everybody just shout except, except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Here's the second point. Stop trying to take everyone on the journey God has you on. Stop trying to take everybody on the journey God has you on. I didn't say don't witness. I didn't say don't encourage. But the reality is the only thing you can, real, you can really do is create a path so when they decide to come, they got a path that they can follow. I love for everybody I love to be saved. I love for everybody who I love to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I love for everybody who I love to have a passion and a desire like I have on the inside of me. But the reality is everybody ain't got it that I love. And I can't drag them. I can't make them love Jesus. I can't make them be saved. I can't make them be filled with the Holy Ghost. But this is what I am going to do. I'm going to be so in love with him. I'm going to be so full of him. I'm going to follow him and I'm going to create a path. So so just in case you want to make up your mind to follow, you got a yellow brick road that you can follow to get to him. Can you say amen? Woo! 23 years and Lady McGee still running. Now, now, now watch this, watch this. Number two, number two, number two. Stop trying to take everyone on the journey God has for you. You got to stop that. You got to stop that. And this is the reason why, number one, some people aren't ready to go. They're just not ready to go. They're not ready to go. They're like, you know, you know, Rev, 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 you know, one day, one day I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to come out this. No, no, no. They're not ready, number one. Number two, some people don't want to go. Some people just don't. I don't want to live that life. I don't want to make that type of sacrifice for those type of blessings. There are some people that they, they're not ready to go. There are some people that don't want to go. Number three, then there are some people that don't need to go. They don't need to go. My man, my man Abraham had two brothers, one named Nahor, another one named Haran. Haran had two children, Milka and Lot. Because Haran died, Nahor took in his daughter, and Abraham took in his nephew, his son, his brother's son, Lot. 
But God began to deal with Abraham in the book of Genesis chapter number 12, and God specifically tells Abraham to leave your father's house. Leave everything behind you. Why? Because there's something that I'm doing in you that I ain't about to do in them right now. I want to help somebody in this place. It's something, God is talking to somebody right now. It's something that I'm trying to do in you that I'm not trying to do in them right now. Abraham, you will create a path for them to follow, but right now, I find First, got to finish the work on the inside of you. You know the story. Because of this familiar connection, Abraham invites Lot on the journey, and he wind up getting in trouble, fighting battles that he has no business fighting. His servants are now arguing with Lot's servants, and all this confusion is created simply because he's dragging somebody alone that don't need to go. Some of y'all got some extra confusion in your life right now simply because you're trying to take somebody that don't need to. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead but asleep. 53 declare they laughed at him knowing she was dead. Here's point number three. Stop telling everybody what you believe in God for. Just some stuff you just, just don't, just, just, stop, just stop telling everybody. You're creating fights with your faith. Right now, it, it, it's interesting. God spoke to me. God, God spoke to me. December coming into this year, and he says that the success of my ministry would be largely depended upon the intercessors that I have praying for me. Gave me several texts. He showed me uh, uh, Moses when, when Joshua was fighting against the Amalekites, and, and Moses' hand were raised, and as long as they were raised, Joshua was winning, but if he failed to intercede, his hands went down. Then Joshua, the battle, he began to lose. He showed me in the book of Acts when Peter was in jail and how that the Bible declares that the saints prayed for him. And because of their intercession, God sends an angel, open up the prison, and breaks my man out of jail. Because the, 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 the religious leaders were getting ready to kill Peter just like they had killed James. Now, I'm sure Peter was praying, but the Bible don't declare that the pastor pastor's prayer got him out of trouble. The Bible declares that it was the intercession of the saints. So God spoke to me and he said the, 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 the success of ministry would be largely dependent upon the intercessors. So what did you have to do, pastor? Start vetting your intercessors. Who are the people that I share my heart with? Because I know I can't share with everybody. And some of y'all are sharing too much private information with too many people who don't have your best interest at heart. Jesus, these boys, they laughed at him when they, when they heard what he was trying to do. She already did. It's ridiculous for you to try to believe God on this level. 
Do you know it's people in your circle like right now, again, again, these ain't people we can just throw away, we just forget y'all, I ain't studying y'all, y'all just, y'all just, y'all just, no, 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 no. These are people who actually love you and they care for you, although ignorant, although lack of understanding, their care for you is helping them to try to pull you down on a believable level for them. Again, the problem is I'm believing God on a whole nother level. Whole nother level this year. So the scripture declares, he went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him, 40. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Here's the point number four. Sometimes it's necessary to put people out of the room. I didn't say put them out of your life. Some people you just have to put out the room. I have some really good friends who we don't talk about this anymore. We're free to talk about a whole bunch of things, but we just can't talk about this no more. My wife, again, is, we're celebrating 23. And I, I guess I told, I told uh, Aisha, I said, happy anniversary. It's your anniversary, too. My baby girl was four years old when we got married, four, four years old. And, and I remember I had a friend that came to me and be like, hey, hey, Greg, my man, real talk, real talk, real talk, my man. I wouldn't, I wouldn't excuse me, but he, this, this reason, I wouldn't date a girl with a flat tire. That was his sentiment. Wouldn't date a girl with a flat tire. When he didn't know that a flat tire is how I met this girl. So what I had to do with this particular friend, loved him then, still love him now. Matter of fact, he celebrates what we have right now. Look, already sent a happy anniversary. But 24 years ago then, when I met this young lady, I wouldn't do it. So you know what I had to do because I was serious about her? Man, I love you, and let's talk about everything that we normally talk about. But this subject here, hands off. We were not, you, what, what did you do, Pastor? I just put, I didn't put him out of my life. I did kick him out of the room. And he had to be kicked out of the room long enough until he was able to see the miracle and appreciate it itself. Can somebody say amen to that? So there's some people you're going to put out of the room, but they're going to be invited back in, but they're only going to be invited back in once that the miracle has occurred. Can somebody say amen to that? Because I'm in a season right now, I don't need anybody around me, close to me, who don't believe in what it is that God is trying to do on the inside of me. So I'm tripping about this particular text. He, 40, after he put them all out, then the miracle, then the miracle happened. So, so I'm, I'm tripping. Because, you know, um, Pop, man, I like to, uh, the way God deals with me, in, like in series, like, like series, like I'm, I'm a series preacher. Like, my, my messages connect. They connect. And so, God ministered a word to me several weeks ago in preparation for this series. And the word was, the Pharisees are coming. 
They're, they're coming. The Pharisees are coming. So what do you do with that word? Number one, you begin to pray on what it is. And as you pray, you begin to study that out. So I'm tripping because what I see in this text has nothing to do with Pharisees coming. But you know what, God? You're going you're gonna to give me this text? This what you want me to work with? I'll work with it. God challenged me to study deeper. Understand Pharisees were Jesus's greatest fight. Because of their legalistic mindset that they didn't even care about your heart. All they cared about was do things the way we like them to be done. And all of us know what it's like to have folk in our lives who are good with us as long as we do what they say. And the moment you do things different from how we believe they ought to be done, then we start talking about you, gossiping about you, wishing evil things on you, hoping. To, and when something bad does happen, we're like, yeah, see, see, that's why that's, why that's happening, because you didn't do what? One of the reasons the Pharisees was such a challenge to Jesus, um, because, number one, they were the biggest religious sect in Judaism, bigger than the Sadducees, bigger than the Essenes. And the Pharisees did something that none of the other Jewish sects had done. They created a formal institution known as the synagogue. And the purpose of the synagogue was to be informed of the Torah, to learn the scripture, to rehearse the scripture, and to rehearse our rules and our laws. So we built this synagogue, and what the Pharisees would do is that they would establish leaders within the synagogue. Now, now, God speaks to me. He speaks to your boy, and he says, Pharisees are coming. Based on last week's message, and again, if you weren't blessed last week, it's okay, because God was really just talking to your boy, because I'm like, God, what do I do with these folk that's throwing stones at me? What do I do with the folk that's fighting me? What do I do with the folk that's coming against me? And God says something to me that I don't want to hear. He says, master humility. Master humility. Now, what does that actually mean? Let's talk. Let's talk. What, what does it really mean to master humility? It means to be the bigger person. Now, come on, y'all. Y'all talk to me. How many of y'all, real talk, real talk, I got a few folk in here, they're going to be honest, watch, watch. they're going to be honest. How many of y'all get tired of being a bigger person? Look at the saints. Look at the saints. Some of y'all wanted to run right then. I get, I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I get, I get, I shared, real talk, I'm like, look, Lord, sometimes I just want to fight and apologize later, sometimes... Let me be honest, it, there, there are times that I, I don't cuss, but there are times words have come. Yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing how they formulate in my mind. And so I have another day, this woman did something crazy. She did something real, real crazy. And, and I remember, I remember, I remember, and I had to apologize. After she did something crazy, I stood there for like two minutes and like this. And, and, and everybody around me knew I was, they were like, there's something wrong with him. But, but reality is, I played out a scenario in my head. 
And when I finished playing out that scenario, I had said, Lord, I have sinned. How many of y'all would be real? How many folk around you would be dead I'm, right now? Like, not just dead, but I'm talking about in hell right now. Had your thoughts actually played? So, so Pop, I'm trying to figure out, my man, how this, how this text really fit me in because God says, in essence, be the bigger problem. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of that. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of that. But God is still impressing on me to master humility, and he showed me why in the text. This is why. Pharisees are coming. They have their little religious institution. If we look historically what's going on in this particular text, they have, they have created these institutions known as the synagogue, and they have established leaders to run their businesses. But this is why you need to master humility is because Luke chapter number 8, verse number 41 declares, then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, <laughs> one of the men that Pharisees put in place to run their operation, ran into a situation that his Pharisee legalistic friends couldn't help him with. And he became so desperate, since y'all little rules ain't helping, let me find somebody who can, even if I have to run to the one you talking about. And the Bible declares that this leader that the Pharisees put in place ran to Jesus and fell at his feet. Let me talk and I'm done. That's why you can't cuss him out. This is why you can't fight. This is why you can't go off. The reason is because if you go off, Jair is going to see you going off, and you'll be the last person he comes to for help. If you act in your flesh like, no, 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 come on, come on, because I know it's in this audience. God, just don't give me a word. It is in this audience. There has been, let, let, me, let me tell you why I know it's in the audience. What, 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 what rests up on the head comes down to the beard. I confess to my intercessors, I've been very angry this week. I confess. Y'all got my text. I've been very angry this week. I ain't tell y'all the rest. I just told you I've been angry. I ain't tell y'all about my thoughts. I've been angry. And I've been wanting to act out in my flesh. So again, this little Sunday school lesson, it ain't blessed nobody else. It was God's word to me. Greg, master humility. Because even the ones that are fighting you, there are folks around them that they're trying to convince against you that you're going to have to minister to. So you maintain your integrity. So when Jairus comes, you're in a credible position to perform the miracle that they said that you couldn't perform. Not only are the Pharisees coming, Jair is coming. Not only are my fighters coming, but my ministry opportunities are coming. And I'm telling you for you as well, not only are your Pharisees coming, your fighters, your instigators, your gossipers, 
but also the ones that has been in league with them that need help. You know what I love about this church? Man, I love about this church. Love, love about this church. Right here. Lift your hands. Right here. You, lift your hands. Gift of exhortation. Gift of exhortation is just in you. It just rolls out of you. You don't even see it because everybody you encourage don't just come to you and say, in essence, I would have lost it. I would have did something crazy had I not heard what you said, seen your post. The gift is there. Devil don't want you to see it. Don't want you to acknowledge it because if you really embrace that, this is something that the Father has given me as a, as a tool and a weapon not only against the enemy, but for his people to help them, if you help embrace that, life goes to a whole nother level. I love this ministry. I love this ministry. Master teacher, master teacher, master teacher, master teacher, master teacher, master teacher. His mind operates like a teacher, can break down the Word of God, can see components, how they fit together, and stuff that folk are trying to put together and it don't fit. And he's like, nah, that, that, mm -mm, that ain't the Word right there. But what, if you did take what you got and you put, instead of these two together, take these two together, then you got something sound. Master, teacher, love this ministry. Because people like you can see see dreams and visions and revelation and God ain't just gonna talk to you he already talking to you and been talking to you you hear his voice I love this ministry because it's filled with gifted folk and the pastor ain't the only one with a little gift that helped the little people out the house is full of gifts and I'm telling you that you got to maintain your integrity and your position because God ain't just sending folk to your pastor. God says, I'm sending them to you. The question is, will I be able to trust you when I send you errors? I trust you. I trust you. Because there's some suicidal Jairuses that are coming that need a word from the Lord. There's some Jairuses about to walk out on their family that need something from the Lord. There's some Jairuses that's about to do something crazy, backslide, go back into some things that God delivered them from because they need something from you. The Bible declares and it teaches, it, it gives us this illustration in the Old Testament. It was one man that carried the a presence of God, the anointing of God for everybody else. Only one Moses that ministered to everybody else. Only one Elijah at the time that ministers to everybody else. Elijah goes off the scene. Then there's an Elisha that God raises up that ministers to everybody else. Old Testament model, but we're in the New Testament now. What's the New Testament model? The Spirit of God came and fell on them all. Not just on Jesus, not just on Peter, not just on John, not just on James. It fell on all of them, and they all begin to speak with tongues. Uh, they all begin to minister. They all begin to encourage. And I'm telling you, Jairus is coming. He coming, he coming, he coming. God says, can I trust you in this season for you not to focus so much on what the Pharisees are trying to do to tear you down, that you will embrace the role of humility. Thank you, Holy Ghost of God. 
I was saying that all over again. I need you to embrace the, I need you to, this season, listen, listen to, listen to this prophetic voice. And this season, stop fighting. Don't fight. Not this season. There is a season and there is a time to fight. This ain't the season. Not this one. What do you mean fight? 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 I mean, I mean social media shade. I mean going off on folk that's going off on you. I'm talking about trying to talk about people that's talking about you. I'm talking about wasting time trying to track down lies. This ain't that season, y'all. This is not that season. It, d d does a season come when it's important for you to track it? And all that comes because there's a time and there's a season for all things. But I'm listen to the word. Not look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, not this season. So God says, real, 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 I, I need you, I need you to embrace the role of humility. And this is what humility does in this season. I'm going to let God fight all my battles so that I can focus only on his assignment. It'd be so funny. I, I tell my babies in there to go do something. Um, Charity, you clean here. You clean the kitchen. Uh, Teresa, you take care of the bathroom. Let you do this, and it'd it be funny. Teresa, Teresa can't, she can't clean the bathroom because she in there telling on what Charity ain't doing. Why you focusing on what the baby not doing, you missing your assignment of what you supposed to be doing. Am I making sense in this place? It's not a season to fight. This is a season to embrace humility. Will y'all receive this word on today?